Chapter Twelve of Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Siano. Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall by Annie Rowe Carr. Chapter Twelve. Everything new. Lessons were not taken up for several days after Nan Sherwood and Bess Harley arrived at Lakeview Hall. This gave them an opportunity for getting acquainted with the other girls and their strange surroundings, as well as the routine of the school. At this time of the year, the rising bell was at six and breakfast at seven. The girls could either spend the hour before breakfast in study or out of door recreation. The grounds connected with the hall comprised all the plateau at the top of the bluff, with a mile of shore at its foot. At one place, a roughly built, crooked flight of steps all the way down the face of the bluff offered a path to the boathouse. By day, that sprawling stone building was merely a place to shelter the school's many boats, and a boatkeeper was on hand to attend to the girls' needs. But at night, so it was whispered, the boathouse had a ghostly occupant. Nonsense! exclaimed Nan Sherwood with laughter when she was told this. What kind of a ghost? A black ghost, all black, declared May Winslow, who seemed to be of a rather superstitious nature. You mean the ghost of a colored man? demanded Nan. Oh, nobody ever saw his face. But he's all in black, Miss Winslow stated. Well, that's a novelty, at least, chuckled Nan. Usually ghosts are sheeted in white, with phosphorescent eyes and clammy hands. Goodness, gasped May. Nobody ever got near enough to him to let him touch her. I should say not. And why should he haunt that boathouse? was Nan's further demand. Oh, we don't know that. Ever been a murder committed there? Why, how you talk! A murder at Lakeview Hall! The idea! All the ghosts I ever heard of were supposed to be the disembodied spirits either of persons who met with some catastrophe or who committed a capital crime. They usually haunt the spot where the tragedy occurred. Now, my dear, what did this poor black ghost do in life that he has to haunt that boathouse? Oh, you can laugh, exclaimed May, rather offended. But if you ever see the ghost, you won't be so light-minded about it. And, oddly enough, May Minslow was a true prophet in this case. But Nan Sherwood at the time only laughed. She and Bess, on the morning following their arrival at the school, went down to the trunk room to get their possessions. Mrs. Cupp abrogated to herself the right of search for, and seizure of, all contraband goods brought to the school by the pupils. The trunks must be unpacked under her eye, and a watchful eye it was. Many a foolish or unwise mother allowed her daughter to wear garments or articles of adornment that Mrs. Cupp did not approve. And, as has before been said, at Lakeview Hall Mrs. Cupp's will was law. 
no miss annie i told you last year that those low-cut garments were not fit for winter wear in this climate you should have told your aunt that i disapproved i did snapped the black-eyed girl who was thus addressed but auntie says she has worn them all her life and there's no reason why i should not oh yes there is i am the reason returned mrs cupp grimly leave those things in your trunk or return them and tell your aunt that if she does not send you suitable and warm undergarments for the winter that i will buy them and the cost will appear upon your quarterly bill now letty roberts you know very well that no girl can wear a heel on her shoes like that in this school what would miss gleason say miss gleason was the physical instructor if you wish to retain those shoes i will have the heels lowered oh mercy me mrs cupp remonstrated the victim this time those are my brand new dancing pumps you'll not dance in these pumps here responded the matron firmly make up your mind quickly heal em shot in letty who knew of old that mrs cupp was adamant oh dear no use trying to balk mrs cupp laura polk had warned nan and bess it would be just as wise to butt your heads against a brick wall to make an impression on the wall mrs cupp had a sharp eye for anything the girls desired to take out of their trunks and that which went back into the trunks remained in her care for she insisted upon keeping the trunk keys as well as the key of the trunk room what's this you have buried at the bottom of your trunk nancy she asked nan sharply when she came to a long narrow box made very neatly of cabinet wood by the skillful fingers of tom sherwood mercy nan whispered bess peering over her chum's shoulder it looks horribly like a baby's coffin i-i'd rather you didn't take that out mrs cupp said nan hastily what repeated the lady eyeing nan suspiciously through her glasses no ma'am please don't take it out fluttered nan you wish to let it remain in my care then do you asked mrs cupp dryly yes ma'am nan murmured bess's eyes were big with wonder her chum had a secret that was not known to her some of the other girls were listeners too linda riggs was impatiently awaiting her turn to have mrs cupp examine the contents of her trunk she tossed her head and said in a scarcely muffled tone to cora courtney that sherwood girl has probably succeeded in taking something and hiding it in her trunk i told you cora how she came so near getting away with my new bag when i was not looking why her bag is just like yours linda said cora nonsense they are not alike at all cried the ill-natured linda she couldn't afford to own such a bag honestly mine cost nearly forty dollars well maybe the sherwood girl has more money than we think whispered cora i saw her give mrs cupp some banknotes to take care of stolen exclaimed linda well she has them at least said cora who was poor herself but loved money and was always making friends with richer girls that she might share in their spending money 
you know we want to have some bang-up banquets this fall and parties and the like somebody's got to furnish the sinews of war and you can't do it all linda better make friends with sherwood i'll do nothing of the kind cried linda but cora was a crafty girl she herself said nothing and did nothing to offend nan or bess it became common report however that nan sherwood had something in her trunk of which she would rather go without the use of than show to mrs cupp and of course that aroused general curiosity bess on her part felt not a little hurt she was sure there was nothing she would not tell or show nan she did not speak of the matter to her chum for nan pointedly avoided it but it troubled bess when the other girls tried to pump her about the box in nan's trunk that she was unable to look knowing and refused to tell i don't know anything about it she snapped she doesn't tell me her secrets ho oh, cried laura what's the use of being chums with a girl who locks up the innermost recesses of her heart against you and her trunk as well why i and my chum even borrow each other's chewing gum she added with her usual exaggeration nan however would not be offended at anything bess said and was so helpful and kind that her chum could not long retain even a shadow of unfriendliness during the first days of school the two friends from tilbury gathered a number of girls about them some novices like themselves others girls of about their own age who had spent from one to three terms at the hall previous to this fall semester laura polk the red-haired joker was on the same corridor as nan and bess so naturally they saw a good deal of her and she was always good fun grace mason and her roommate flaxen-haired lily nevin were two more who soon took shelter under Nan Sherwood's wing. The more boisterous girls harassed Grace and Lily at times, and yet they courted them too, for Grace's parents and brother lived on the outskirts of Freeling, and she could communicate through Walter much more easily with the outside world than could many of her schoolmates. Then there was Procrastination Boggs, as the queer girl from Wahegan had been nicknamed. She joined forces with the girls of number seven, corridor four, right at the start. Nan and Bess, in fact, found themselves in a very busy world indeed. Lessons, study, gymnasium work, boating, walking, tennis, basketball, and a dozen other activities occupied their days. And sometimes at night, even after the solemn tolling of the half-past nine curfew, slippered feet ran about the dim corridors with as little noise as the mice made behind the wainscoting bands of whispering giggling girls gathered in the various rooms and told stories played games held barefoot dances and ate goodies when they were supposed to be deeply engaged in the preparation of the morrow's work or long after they should have retired nan was careful to break no important rules nor did she allow careless bess to fall into the company of girls who broke them of innocent amusement there was plenty at lakeview hall both chums were fond of boating and other aquatic sports lake huron of course was entirely different from the mill pond at home but they knew how to row and paddle and there were plenty of boats and canoes to use here for the asking and it was because of their delight in paddling a canoe that nan sherwood and bess harley 
first fell into a real adventure at Lakeview Hall. End of Chapter 12 Recording by Linda Ciano